Blog Talk Radio. Especially all you singles who might be looking for Miss Wright or Mr. Wright. Uh, this October is Finding Mr. Wright Month. I'm doing a blitz and trying to run a show every single day on uh, Finding Mr. Wright to help you. And I've been opening and closing every show with those wonderful bells from the San Juan Capistrano uh, mission down um just south of me here, that then they ring those bells <laughs> when someone gets married. So I've been ringing the bells. <laughs> okay, so early on in my life as a single person, I, I learned that the so-called singles bars are not filled with single people. <laughs> Actually, I learned that there are more married men there than single men many times, <laughs> especially early in the evening, you know, right after work. It seems that many married men just take sort of a circuitous route home to the wife and kids. They head over to a singles bar and have a drink, stroll around, maybe grab a drink and many times an ass or a boob. Pardon my explicitness, but I just have always wondered what men are thinking when they pick up a total stranger at a place like a bar and think that that woman just can't wait. <laughs> till she he puts her hand on her bottom or on her breast. I mean, really. I mean, ladies, are you standing there and or sitting at a table just breathlessly waiting until some guy asks you to dance so he can touch all your womanly lady parts? I've always also wondered what makes a man think that the woman's body is for his private use like that anyway. I mean, especially in a public place. I've always considered my body my own private property, and you have to have my permission to grope it. (laughs) I mean, that to me is just plain respect for a person. I think a lot of women go along with it, you know, being felt up by a man like that, because women think that this is what the man wants to do. So to get the man, you have to let him do it, because if you don't let him do it, he'll move on to someone else who will let him do it. Now, I'm not saying that a woman doesn't enjoy being touched, but, I mean, there is a time and a place. And however a woman starts up any interaction with a man from the startup, that's going to pretty much set the beginning boundaries of that relationship. And if a woman allows her body to be felt up and pawed by a man at a very first interaction together, then that woman is establishing the idea that she wants to have sex go right away, and this is what the man's going to go for. And now the woman has lost her rights over her body and actually over herself. Now, I advocate that women just don't go to singles bars, first of all, primarily because, first of all, there aren't, you know, everybody there isn't single, and secondly... It's more like a brothel. I mean, pretty much like those areas in Amsterdam where the women are just sitting in a little room with a big picture window out to the street, and the men can just walk by and look and pick the girl they want to have sex with. 
because that's pretty much what a singles bar is, just a room full of ladies who are willing to have sex. Do you know that the United States is known for being the one country in the world where the man has the most opportunity to just go to a bar and find a woman to have sex? It is reported that Arab men love to come to this country and will come here just for this reason. Because here in America, as single men, they can have sex anytime they want. Because in Arabia, there is no sex before marriage. And a Muslim woman is covered from head to toe and can only be seen uncovered before she's married in front of her father or her brother, uncles, and grandfathers, and then after she's married, only in front of her husband. The woman's body is considered much more sacred there. As the woman has the womb, she's the bringer forth of life. This is the symbolism of the hibab and the durka. I might not be saying that right, the burqa. Such a contrast to our culture today, right, where women are wearing nothing and showing everything, and sex is being used to sell just about everything right now from breakfast cereal to hamburgers to shampoo. I really feel sorry for the American man today because he's bombarded from all sides by sexual stimuli, not only in the television commercials and magazines, but practically every woman who walks down the street today. They've got on short skirts with hooker heels, skimpy tops where exaggerated bosoms bounce practically out of their bra cups, and the men are supposed to look and not be stimulated? I mean, come on. Of course they're stimulated. And the thing is, they're already thinking about sex probably more times a day than than you you realize. They don't need to be constantly stimulated everywhere they look. No wonder there's so much of sexual abuse and sexual harassment and sexual offenders today. Doesn't our society see the correlation? Apparently it doesn't. And how is a man who's constantly being sexually stimulated everywhere he looks and then has to work with a woman as his partner in a black and white or at the fire station or in the board meeting or on the battlefield, how is he able to redirect his masculine energies to the job at hand and treat the woman as merely a co-worker without any reaction to her as a woman? You know, I think a man has to just almost turn himself off if he has to work with a woman side by side and be in neutrality. And then we have a weakened man who can't respond naturally in his masculinity as the protector. I don't know how this is ever going to get the woman what she thinks she wants. It's an oxymoron. A woman can't have it both ways. She can't be a sex object and a neutral co-worker at the same time. This is just asking too much of our men. This duality compromises the man as a man. And in the Arabian culture, if you watch the YouTube videos about the women in Arabia, you'll get a lot truer picture of her life there. The men are men together and the women are women together. And sex is between a husband and a wife in private, behind the curtain, so to speak, because the word for the habab 
Habib in uh, in Arabic actually means curtain. So behind the curtain, the woman's virtues are only for her husband and no one else. And sex is reserved for the private and intimate times between a married man and his wife and just for them. And this type of sex can bring forth a child in a holy and sacred place where the couple then devote themselves to raising that child within the family cultural system. Do you know that Saudi Arabia has the lowest percent of illegitimate births in the world? It's just not acceptable there to have sex unless you're married. And if a woman does have a baby out of wedlock, life for her and her child is extremely difficult. There is no help for her. She's a beggar on the street. So there's no aid to dependent children in Saudi Arabia. And women women wouldn't get pregnant here in the United States as much either if there was no welfare system to take care of them. I mean, here in the United States, women use the welfare system to earn a living. The more illegitimate children a woman has here, the more money she makes. And sadly, the biggest group of illegitimate children being born today is to the Mexican who has come here illegally pretty much just to have their baby born here and so they can have a life because if the baby is born here and they're not married, the mother can get age-dependent children, food stamps, free health care, and other benefits. And the Mexicans have learned this. And now they are, they are coming close to having as many illegitimate children as the blacks as a way to live their life. Well, let's go back. I, I started this conversation by saying that I quickly learned as a single woman to not look for a single man in the singles bar <laughs> because not everyone there is single. Many men who are in singles bars are in a relationship. They may not be married, but because today, you know, many, many people just live together, not married. But perhaps the man isn't too happy in the relationship. So just let me tell you, it's harder for a man to be single than it is for a woman to be single, and most men will not throw out their dirty dishwater until they know they can get some clean water. So the man is going to begin to shop around if he's thinking about making a change in his relationship because he wants to know where he's going to be able to have regular sex next. You know, a man needs a place for his penis, and a woman needs to have a place for her body. This is biological. So a woman looks for a relationship where she will have a home, and a man looks for a relationship where he's going to have sex. I mean, a man really likes to know he's going to be able to have sex uh, rather than hope he's going to have sex. Because today, even in this culture of casual sex, uh, it's still true that it is the woman who's going to say if the man has sex or not except in those extreme cases of rape. So if a man is married or if he's in a relationship with a woman and they're, they are living together, and even if they're not living together but they consider themselves in a relationship, which usually means they're having sex, then the man knows that he has a good chance of having sex. But if he's out there in the singles game, he isn't sure whether sex is going to be part of the program or not, although 
today there seems to be a third date rule that's talked about on the sitcoms, where by the third date you have sex. And on but many scenes in movies and on television today show that sex is just part of any interaction between a man and a woman now, whether it's a casual encounter at a singles bar or a first date set up by friends. But I think that men think that women sit around all day thinking about having sex like they do, and you know, and we don't. There was such a funny show on Big Bang Theory where Leonard has sex with a physics colleague in April, <laughs> and he automatically thinks they're going to be able to be in a relationship now, and he'll be able to you know, have sex when he wants to. And she says, well, I don't know about your sexual appetites, but I'm probably good now until New Year's. So if we're not going to go to a singles bar to try to find a single man, what do we do while we're waiting for Mr. Wright to show up? Well, Mr. Wright is going to show up along our path. So we make a path. A path that would incorporate some different types of things that could provide circumstances to meet different types of people and perhaps one of these people will be a single man who is also on the path. So what are these things, some of these things that we can do? Well, if you lived here in Orange County, where I live, you could put in Google uh, meetups, and you'll find pages and pages of groups to get together with. Groups that go out to eat together, groups that climb mountains together, groups that play soccer or tennis or swim together. There actually is a party at Ed's house tonight (laughs) that includes a pitch-in barbecue, hot tubbing, and dancing. I mean, 27 people have already signed up to go. And also, if tonight was a full moon, you could go to Aliso Creek Beach in Laguna Beach and drum on your drum with about 300 other people to celebrate the rising of the full moon. I've never been able to decide if I think the sunlight on the ocean or the moonlight on the ocean is the prettiest. (laughs) But if you live in the area where there isn't an ocean, I'll bet there is a drumming group. Or there would be a group that could celebrate the full moon with some other type of ritual or enchanting experience. Perhaps the despacio ceremony, or chanting, or a fire ceremony, or a sweat lodge, or a lot of other ancient native or tribal rituals. You know, I have been to all of these various types of groups, and I have had wonderful personal experiences and met interesting people and shared with them. And did I meet Mr. Wright? You know, I met many potential Mr. Wrights, and I could have settled right down with one of them and lived the rest of my life in that particular persuasion. But actually, I uh, met my Mr. Wright in the pool here in the retirement community where I live, because it's really interesting to meet someone when you don't have your clothes on. But I can tell you there were many, many Mr. Wrights for someone at these celebrations. And these are men who have elevated their attentions towards spirituality and don't have to live every moment below their waist thinking about having sex. They're men with the needs of a man, 
But these men seem to have more respect for women and who value women in a more sacred way. I told my Mr. Wright right from the start that I was not going to have sex, that I wanted to make love, and that I needed the time for us to fall in love. And I have a list of all the avenues of agreement that a couple do need to explore in the beginning of a relationship. And you can uh, get that list uh, from my book, Seven Things to Do While Waiting for Mr. Wright, at www.mrwrightforme.com. So you you would have time then to explore all these areas of agreement. And we do have one area of agreement where we are not in agreement. And so what do you do about that? And one of my shows this month uh, during uh, Finding Mr. Right Blitz, uh, I'm going to discuss this. Now, I've shared with you that I'm a member of the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary, and on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, I go to the U.S. Coast Guard Station Gracie in Oceanside, California, and I'm on the radio for the Coast Guard. We monitor Channel 16, the distress uh, channel. We also monitor Channel 9, which is the Harbor Police Channel, and we monitor Channels 21 and 77, which are public channels. Because if a distress call does come in on Channel 16, once we make the contact with the vessel, then we switch them over to another public channel so that we can keep Channel 16 open for other distress calls. I have to say, I have met the highest caliber of men in the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary of any men that I have met in my whole life. These are men who are faithful and true. They are dedicated to preserving the public's safety, to helping people, and being of service to their fellow men. And there are single men in the auxiliary, sometimes an older man who's been married and his wife has passed, or just this week we had a swearing-in ceremony for our newest member, Paul, who is only 28 and single. He works for Boeing in their security department. And then another young man, Denny, visited our meeting and filled out the application for membership in our flotilla. He's also 28 and still single. So there are two young men, and we had one older man in the flotilla whose wife has passed, and he's currently dating a woman in his flotilla whom he met at one of the division meetings. So if you live within the United States, just know that all of the inland waterways, all of our rivers, our lakes, our streams are monitored and watched over by the auxiliary for the Coast Guard. They issue all Coast Guard vessel checks. They do all search and rescue. They are the Coast Guard in the middle part of our country. And if you have an interest in boats and public boating safety, I recommend that you look into being a member of the auxiliary. Some of our busiest flotillas are in cities like Des Moines, Iowa, St. Louis, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois. Anywhere there is water in the United States, there is a U.S. Coast Guard auxiliary. There is a pledge that the U.S. Coast Guard makes, and a man who makes this pledge is a man who's going to be honorable and dependable and true blue in all of his relationships. 
Now, while you are single, your time could be spent finding out more about yourself than trying to find a man. I mean, many relationships don't last because the two people change so much that they no longer have any synergy to stay together, because I see this over and over. I say in my marriage ceremony, do not take one another for granted. Everyone is in a constant state of change. If couples continue to evolve together, the relationship will continue to be strong and vibrant. But many times couples grow apart as they evolve. And the best defense against this is to know as much about yourself as you can before you enter into a relationship with someone else. Actually, in my book, 17 Things to Do While Waiting for Mr. Right, I have a hopes and dreams worksheet that I encourage all single people to begin to work. And I currently have a client who has begun to work with the hopes and dreams worksheet. He and his girlfriend broke up three months ago. They had been together 11 years, and they had broken up and gotten back together again several times. They lived together, but they weren't married. And he says, this time it's really over, no going back. So I gave him the Hopes and Dreams workshop, and he's doing it every day for the first two weeks. Well, on the fifth day, he texted me, and he said, I haven't answered one of the questions the same way twice yet. (laughs) This was only in five days. I said, well, that's very normal. But you know what? This man is not a kid. He's in his 60s. He's been married and had three children. And he also had one other long-term relationship before the one that just ended. So supposedly he has a lot of life experience, and yet he doesn't even really know himself. He's been financially successful in his life, so he's always felt confident. Yet his confidence seems to be in having a very strong defense system and also in being in control. And this type of aggressively defensive person doesn't allow for a lot of intimacy in a spiritual or intellectual or emotional way. And I believe he's always shown any feelings by having sex. He talks a lot about how he transmits his feelings by making love. He calls it making love, but it sounds to me more like having sex. I asked him if he thought he loved this woman he just broke up with. And he said, yes, he loved her. And then he said, well, I wasn't in love with her, but she's a good woman, and she deserved, uh, she deserved to be loved, and I had love for her. Well, that's probably why she kept leaving. She got to where, there, where she couldn't have sex anymore with him because I think a woman needs to feel that the man truly loves her. A woman needs to feel that she is loved and cherished. And the man needs to feel that she thinks he is wonderful. And a, man, a woman will feel that a man is woman, wonderful if she knows that he adores her. I think sometimes a man feels like if he really allows himself to truly adore his woman, that then he will lose his power to control the situation. But this just shows that the man doesn't trust a woman for some reason. And that reason would need to be unearthed by some serious therapy. In this man's case, early in his life, while he was still developing his original ideas for his life, his girlfriend got pregnant, and he had to stop his explorations 
and get a job and get married and take care of her and the baby. And ever since, he's felt like he was trapped and he hasn't really trusted any woman since because he believes they all have a hidden agenda. <laughs> we'll see how he does does when he's into his third or fourth week of doing the hopes and dreams sheet. So that's one kind of therapy you could do, the hopes and dreams worksheet in my book. You can download for free at www.mrrightforme.com. The hopes and dreams page is on pages 45 through 48. You know, this man is finding out he really doesn't know what he truly desires for himself. He has not answered a single question the same way twice. So this says, I don't really know how I feel about these things. So he's on a new path of exploration to find out more about himself. And as he unpeels the layers of the onion, he's going to find out about the deeper parts of himself, which will perhaps begin to reveal to him his need for a spiritual connection in his life. And he can then perhaps begin to realize that he will be able to enjoy an intellectual relationship with a a woman, and he could find out that there are women who are really smart. And I believe he's going to also be able to be emotional with a woman and still not feel powerless. He desires the nurturing of a woman, but he doesn't want to feel vulnerable. He always wants to feel like he's in control. And a woman is going to feel like she's just a puppet with a man like this. She would not feel like she could be an equal partner with him. So I suggest that everyone do the Hopes and Dreams worksheet. I started doing this worksheet myself 20 years ago, and I had that same original experience that everyone is going to have who starts the process, that I answered the questions differently every time I did the worksheet at the beginning. But eventually a pattern begins to take place, and a true desire a true hope, a true dream will begin to come forth. And then when after you've answered that question the same way for six months, then you can be confident to start the process of bringing that hope and that desire and that dream into reality. Now on my website, www.marcian.com, Uh, I have a set of seven steps to bringing your dreams into reality. Um, These are also on YouTube. You can just go to YouTube and put in my name, Marcy Ann. Be sure to put in Marcy Ann because there's a Marcy that's in uh, exercise equipment. (laughs) So put in uh, Marcy Ann and you'll find the seven steps to manifesting what you want in your life. So all of you single people out there, Your first level of therapy is to begin to do the Hopes and Dreams worksheet. And the second level of therapy will be once you have a clear idea of a true desire or a dream that you really, 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 really want to come true, you can start and do the seven steps to making dreams become a reality. And while you're on your path, remember, Mr. Right is going to show up right there. Now, there's three other types of therapy I'm going to recommend. These are just things you can do while you're waiting. So get out a pencil paper and write, take these one. The first one down, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. It's called uh, 
humandesign.net. Now, this is a website where you can just read casually and find out if you're uh, one of four different types of humans, a manifester, a projector, a generator, or a reflector. (laughs) It just would be a fun thing to do. And um, there are some, um, just for fun, you just can start out just determining which one of these four types of human design that you are. According to uh, their website, I answered all the questions and everything, and they said, I am a reflector. It isn't that interesting because I call my radio show Reflections. <laughs> okay, secondly, I recommend, and I recommend this very, very strongly, Heart Math. This is just an excellent program to help you learn how to live out of your heart, not out of your brain. See, the heart has a brain, and this brain is connected to God. It's the energy source of all there is. And this energy in your life has never been hurt or betrayed or damaged because the brain in our heart is connected to the original energy that created everything. And that source is benevolent. That energy is love. I just think that that word love has been so maligned. I mean, for heaven's sake, we say we love hamburgers. <laughs> we love jazz. Well, when I say I love you, when we say that, what are we saying? Well, if you go into the Heart Math program and take some of their training, and a lot, a lot of the things in their program is free, so they have lots of free, lots of webinars free of charge. Because the brain in our head is only stored information. It can only provide us with information that's been gathered from our life experiences. You know, and a lot of our life experiences aren't very happy. And some people try to then set up a defense system against having any more unhappy experiences. But then this can also keep you from having happy experiences. But if you can learn how to go down into your heart and make choices and decisions from your heart, then you can enter into new experiences without fear and with a clean slate so that you don't take into any new experiences stuff from the past. And in addition to personal training for yourself, there are other levels of certification that you can qualify and eventually perhaps you could become a heart math coach yourself and help others. Now, I did a series of personal training with a heart math life coach that were just tremendous because heart math helped me to continue to develop my intuitive powers. I do have a background of spirituality that includes having the experiences of knowing God's power in my life. And back what, But back when I was stumbling along my path, in a hit or miss kind of experience, even some of, in some of the most distressing times or even in times of desperation, uh, I had the uh, manifestation of God's power in my life by the ability to speak in tongues. And even in these terrible times, I could always speak in tongues. So I felt like at least God still loved me, even though in my outward circumstances of my life, there wasn't very much evidence of it. But I also had experienced times of not 
in my life of knowing that I was receiving revelation from God's Spirit, and I believed I was living my life being led into paths of righteousness. But however, after my coaching with the HeartMath facilitator, I moved into a level of knowing about all the events and people in my life that is more like what the Bible said that Jesus can do. I can now discern motives and intents. I can know what is best for me, and in confidence I make choices now that are in only in my highest and best good. I can truthfully say now that I am not creating any more unhappiness in my life. I'm only creating happiness now. And I feel self-fulfilled, free. I live in truthful compassion. And in heart math, you learn the difference between compassion and sympathy. And you learn how to assess the divine wisdoms of the heart of God or truth of the universe, whatever you want to call that source energy, which is love. Heart math teaches you what is true love and what is codependence. Heart math uh, teaches you what love isn't because by knowing what love doesn't do, you can learn what love does. And then you'll be able to discern the motives and intents of that man that is standing in front of you that shows up on your path. And you will know when Mr. Wright shows up. I remember when my first book came out back in 2008, and a person who lives here in my community was introducing me to a couple who had come to a Halloween party at our particular complex, and he said, she has a new book out called Seven Thing Things to Do While Waiting for Mr. Wright. And then he stood right in front of me, and he said, but she wouldn't know Mr. Wright if he was standing right in front of her. <laughs> and everybody laughed. But several years before this, he had shown an interest in me, and I had not shown interest back in him, so this was his payback. But we all laughed. And the couple seemed to have already found their Mr. Wright and Miss Wright, so they weren't candidates to read my book anyway. <laughs> but sometimes we don't recognize a Mr. Wright. We've had some damaging experiences in our life, or we have such unreasonable expectations that sometimes Mr. Wright is standing right in front of us, and we don't even see him. You know, there's always seemed to have been that bad boy attraction that some women seem to have. I really think that the bad boy syndrome is actually the woman looking for what she thinks is a strong man, a man who will take charge and be dependable. It's kind of an oxymoron to think that a bad boy is going to be dependable. But women have that idea that they can change somebody, you know. It comes from that mother instinct that actually is the force that molds and develops the character of a child. So the woman will see this demonstration of the power of the actions of the bad boy, and she'll think, oh, she can channel that power into positive and desirable attributes. But if you're going into a relationship with the idea that you can change someone, that's very dangerous. In my marriage ceremony, I say, we do not have the power to change another person. And then in the uh, vows, I say, do you accept this person just the way they are with no hidden agenda? And that's why I also have in my book a worksheet to help you develop your idea of your own perfect life partner 
to know what you would like to have in another person. And because you do not want to go into a relationship with any idea that's going to be the other person that makes you happy. So if you do some personal training with a heart math facilitator, you will learn how to make yourself happy, and then you won't be going into a relationship with expectations for the other person that aren't fair. It's not Mr. Job, Mr. Wright's job to make you happy. Actually, Mr. Wright is looking for a person who's already happy and can take care of him. <laughs> so the last therapy I'm going to recommend is EFT. It's Emotional Freedom Therapy, EFT. This is the, one of the most effective ways to get yourself free from damaging emotions and traumas from the past. Uh, I've shared on some of my shows here how I got to where I couldn't fly anymore because I had three terrible flying experiences in a row. And at the end of the third bad experience, when we hit the ground going way too fast and the pilot threw on those big allied air brakes and threw everybody out of their seats and everything out of all the uh, storage bins, when we finally stopped out loud, I said, I am never going to fly again. And that decree set up an emotional situation for me where I just couldn't fly again. But using the techniques of EFT, I am now able to fly, and I have been flying again now for over 10 years. And I am now emotionally free to go see my kids and my grandkids and go on cruises and fly to the ports of embarkation. And so my life is now filled with the happiness of these experiences. I don't have to be trapped in the emotion of a traumatic experience that keeps me from being able to enter into new life experiences of pleasure and joy. And you don't need to be trapped in any past emotional traumatic experience either. And you don't need to take drugs to be able to live your life. You don't need to drink to be able to live your life. You can do EFT and release yourself from any sad or bad experiences so you can Free up all that energy that can now be put into a new and joyful experience with Mr. Wright. You don't need to take Mr. Wright back into all that stuff. He wasn't there. He didn't cause it. He can't change it. He would like for you to put that all in the past and be able to go forward with him into new and joyful times together. Okay, so that's my show tonight, Getting Ready for Mr. Right. Three things you can do. Do the Hopes and Dreams worksheet. Uh, take a look at a webinars offered by HeartMath. And get rid of any emotional baggage with EFT. You know, this time you have right now is very precious. And it's time that's going to pass. And you'll never be able to get it back. So take this time to be as productive as possible in preparing yourself to be ready when Mr. Wright shows up. Take this time to, to, be, to learn how to even recognize Mr. Wright. Take this time to look within yourself for all the answers to all of your needs so that when you do run into Mr. Wright, you will not be requiring him to do anything for, her, for you. You will just be ready to totally appreciate him and be that help, happy helpmate on his arm who he's going to look at with surprise 
and relief and the desire to never let you go.